welcome to the season 2 of the in your shoes podcast the podcast aims to get into the shoes of a person like you and me and learn from their career stories and experiences through this conversation we will uncover insights and pearls of wisdom which will hopefully inspire you and expand your thinking we're doing something different this season apart from a full length show we will also expand on topics of interest that emerge during the conversation these will be distributed as special episodes which are short targeted and provide you with the context when you are short on time let us get right into it hello sara uh it's so nice to get to you on this podcast and i'm so looking forward for our conversations today Hi Vivek. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm always excited to get to know new people and yeah, learn a bit about uh what others think. Yes, and we start with getting to know you better. So, mm-hmm. what's your story? Just give us a flavor of, you know, where you are, what you do and what brought you to what you're doing at the moment. Just a small question. Just a small question to start with. <laughs> okay, my name is Sarah Needham. I live in Potsdam, which is just outside Berlin in Germany, but I think you can probably tell that I'm British. So, I grew up on the south coast of England and moved out to Germany in 2006, so quite a few years ago now. And met my husband and that's why uh we've we've based ourselves out of uh Potsdam. But what's my story? Well, why does one start with a question like that? I worked for Rolls-Royce for 17 years um after I graduated from Loughborough University and worked my way up through a fairly male uh dominated environment. I was an engineer or am an engineer and then actually pivoted my career quite a few times due to actually personal situations um sort of having kids and then wanting to spend more time with my family and eventually left the company in 2018 to try something different it was actually triggered by me having burnout and then following the death of my mother during the time I was off with burnout which really got me to check in with myself what do i want you know if i go the same way as my mom and i've only got let's say 35 years left on this planet what do i want to achieve what's my purpose for being here and what kind of role model do i want to show my two young uh, adopted girls as to how to live a life so yes i moved out of the corporate industry and set up my own coaching business and i now drive by my values of sustainability technology and helping people achieve what they want to achieve by being the person they are so trying to be more like them rather than be less um less driven by outside influences so Vivek I'll let you come back in here because I could talk for hours <laughs> mm. no thank you so much uh, i know this was not an easy question to start with like story but i'm glad that you gave us a right a good overview uh, about you know what brought you here um you mentioned that you spent some time with rolls royce in a male dominated environment and you were working as an engineer if um 
And you also mentioned that over a period of time, you felt that, you know, obviously changing situation and circumstances in your own life, you, you choice of pivoting to your new career was triggered by a burnout. Um, if you may like, if you may share a little bit about, uh, about this process of figuring out that you were in a burnout or you're having a burnout and you need to react to it. How was that process for yourself? How did it go? Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, the It culminated um, in me recognizing I had fever. And I was actually just back from a holiday. Um, and it was October, end of October, and I was thinking, well, must just be, you know, pick something up on holiday. So went to the doctor and um, effectively recognized that there was nothing particularly wrong other than the fact I had fever. Um, so it was a very odd kind of circumstance that I found myself in. And I kind of remember coming home from the doctor thinking, well, you know, there must be something medically wrong. And they couldn't find anything. And I thought, you know, how have I let myself get to a space where I'm, it's always like I've run the red traffic lights. Mm. You know, I, I saw the amber traffic lights and I ignored them. I kind of saw the red traffic lights, but I didn't take it seriously. I just thought, well, I've always managed to continue. I'll just keep going. I'll just keep going. I'll just keep going. And then till I physically couldn't. Um, and I remember sitting there the first few weeks thinking, oh my goodness, what, you know, what, what have I done? And how could this have happened? Um, but when you look back on what actually happened, it was quite obvious. You know, I had two young adopted children. I've been through an awful lot with the miscarriages, going through the adoption, getting two young girls, emotional turmoil around the adoption. Um, and then I had a husband who traveled a lot. I had a fairly high career or corporate career. I had a lot of stress at work and I had a mother living with dementia in the UK. And when you look at all the facts lined up, you kind of think, well, well it's obvious it was going to happen. And yet when you were in it, you know, I just didn't see it coming. I didn't recognize the signs that I was pushing myself to a point where I was making myself sick. So, um, Yes, those first few weeks were really difficult. I remember not wanting to, to to do anything, not physically being able to do an awful lot anyway, but thinking, oh, it'll pass and I'll be back at work in a couple of weeks. Um, and it was really around Christmas time that it was kind of getting to the eight-week stage. I was thinking, you know, why isn't this getting better? Why isn't the the fever going away? And they, they um, diagnosed it as CMV which is a virus, but it's only a virus which attacks you when you're low. So if you're healthy, you can have CMV and it, it has absolutely no effect on you whatsoever. Um, and this was when I recognized, okay, it's, it's burnout. I think from my experience and others who have heard, who have talked to about burnout, I think what I know that some people 
in this case you you were able to actually have a physical manifestation of the burnout stage which is you felt feverish and you had a fever because of this virus um and i think a lot of people on the other side actually don't even observe such physical manifestations or change and they just live in oblivion that they are going through a burnout so in, i'm i'm glad in one sense that you were able to observe and take and do something about it um because a lot of people i know who go through burnout actually don't even feel anything physical mental and they they just go through with the process um no i mean it was um in some ways it was a blessing that it did happen that way cuz i it's about giving yourself permission to obviously pull back and i was off work for 7 months in the end and even now i say when i look back i say i probably went back to work too quickly and you know i pushed myself back into work because it was what you know how you validate or how i validated myself as the fact that you know i have a job and i'm contributing and yet it was kind of one of the biggest learnings in the fact that i things like this take time to recover from um it's not something that you can piece together overnight and obviously it triggered a much bigger reaction in me in terms of if i hadn't have had burnout if my mother hadn't have died during the time i was off with burnout would i have actually really taken stock of what i wanted to achieve in my life and where i was going and actually that was the trigger that was the trigger for me to readjust to realign to refocus and get clear on what i wanted so i think if anyone had said to me that first week when i was off that you'll look back on this and be grateful for it uh, i think i would have cried in their face <laughs> but actually that's the way it's worked out you know that has been the trigger of the changes that i've made and i've made significant positive changes to my life in the way i live my life in the job that i do in you know how i assign my time how i look after myself how i take my own self care seriously that i probably wouldn't have done had i not been through that hmm so i think sarah there's so much that we i would love to talk to you and i want to talk to you today also about this transformation that you talked about the positive changes and that perhaps led to the career that you have right now of a coach uh, but i would like to go back a little bit if um with the time when you were at Rolls-Royce as an engineer how was that for yourself i think you spent like 17 years in that organization and you also mentioned it was like a male dominated environment so for of um, an engineer like yourself how was that environment for yourself what do you remember now after having spent 17 years in that organization um i was exceedingly or well, i always felt exceedingly privileged by the opportunities that i got given within the organization so i moved up within the organization relatively quickly now looking back i can see it's because i was different you know i do have very strong uh, communication and soft skills and i am a natural leader in the way that i communicate i bring people along i couldn't see it at the time and 
this is one of the things that I was really, or is one of my learnings, and one of the things that I really want to help other people with is actually being proud of who you are and the fact you're different. It's your biggest advantage that you have. And that really is what drove my career for the first kind of seven to 10 years within Rolls-Royce, was being in a male-dominated space, being female, seeing things differently, having a different perception, and being able to play to those skills. So I did the same jobs as other people, and yet I did them differently. I got different results. I could take very technical data and explain it to non-technical people in a way where they didn't feel threatened, they didn't feel confused, they didn't feel silly to ask questions. You know, I could talk to customers in a way where they understood and we could create solutions together. I could create that space and I could create space for my team to grow. And those were all really important. And yet, would I say that I saw all of that straight away? No, probably not. And it was really only at the point when I was going through kind of multiple miscarriages and my husband and I decided, right, well, if we're not going to have a family, then I actually want to do something different. And I actually pivoted from being assistant chief engineer for an engine product to sales. And I remember the questions that I was getting. And obviously, I didn't want to answer all the questions. I wasn't telling people what was going on in my private life. But you know, why would you do such a thing? Why would you leave engineering um, and go into something like sales? And for me, it was it was a risk, but it was also an opportunity to kind of build this other side of me, which I saw growing as to what I actually really enjoyed, which was communicating people, helping people understand things that were techie for people that weren't techie. Um, and that to me was really important. And I loved it. You know, I, I went and met customers um, in Europe and Russia and helped them with their problems. And that was a, a great job. And actually only one I ended up staying in about nine months because then we got a phone call one day to say that there's a baby being born who needs a new home and please will you come and pick her up. So it's weird how this how these things kind of pan out, but the learnings for me are playing to your difference. Don't try and fit the mold you think a company or a person wants you to fit. Just be yourself, because only being yourself can you provide the most value. You know, can you achieve the most? Can you feel content with what it is um, that you want? And I think so many of us try, and I know this is one of the reasons for my burnout, was I felt like I was trying to mould myself the longer I stayed with the company into what I thought they wanted from me. And in actual fact, what I was doing was not playing to my strengths, not playing to my values, and actually not creating the most value for the organisation either. Hmm. I think something you said was so so amazing, like playing to your difference, taking advantage of the difference, your story, your unique, authentic uh, self. Uh, to me, I think uh, being able to do that on an individual basis in an organization obviously requires an environment that embraces that, which means the organization, the leadership, the team allows yourself to be 
yourself to bring your authentic personality and also to celebrate your difference and the other side of it is as an individual uh you you are aware of these differences and also you are not shying away playing to that as a strength so from the dimension of an organization we need an environment that embraces it and also from an individual they're able to play this as an advantage play this as an strength how do you see this balance between having an environment and team that kind of allows uh an individual to play uh to your to their to their difference to their background to their authentic self and the balance between organization and an, and to what an individual can do in that space yeah. it's a really good question um i as a coach now i will i think very carefully before i work with either a group or with an organization in the fact that i can create the most value for the individual and the organization as a coach when the organization has a culture which supports that individual's growth and the team growth so i'm very careful in if you want choosing my clients as to who i can best support because you're right if there's an organizational culture which is not supporting people to be themselves not supporting inclusivity diversity and really you know valuing cognitive diversity then it makes it very difficult to to be able to coach or support someone to create the most value for themselves and for the organization and that's always the balance is the individual needs to feel fulfilled and provide value for themselves but also to the organization and the way you create that in you know in the in in the most uh, aligned way is when you've got some kind of alignment between the values of the organization and how that's actually lived out the behaviors of the organization with what the team and what the individual are wanting to achieve and this is why i love working with kind of startups because you can help them create an organizational structure and an organizational culture which really plays into supporting people putting people back at the center of the organization rather than the center of the organization being the technology you know how do we create something where our employees can thrive and knowing that if our employees are thriving and the teams are thriving we're innovative you know we will create value we will be able to uh turn kind of ideas into a proposition that works for the customer so that's obviously a very idealized uh uh speak but yes it is exceedingly important that for you, for people to thrive they've got to align and um align to kind of the values and the culture of the organization but also to why are they there the purpose the real the why as to why they're doing it and when you don't have this you don't have the alignment to the organizational values or culture and you don't have an alignment to the why to the purpose then it's exceedingly difficult for people to really thrive hmm i mean to just build up on what you said do you enjoy working with startups of um 
working on this alignment problem of aligning the organization values to the individuals. Uh, from my experience, again, not that broad as yours, I think there are different startups on a spectrum. On one side of the spectrum, organizations like a startup are not aware that they need to do this homework around aligning that values to the individual values because they are just in a zone to survive, to make it happen. Um, and I think in this stage, in this phase of an organization, it's all hands on the deck. And I think sometimes they don't see the big picture of how misalignment is creating issues. So for those startups in this zone who are not aware that they have an issue wherein organizations of values not aligning with individual values and that perhaps is also creating a burnout. From your experience, uh, what are the ways these companies in this spectrum, this part of the spectrum, can actually recognize that they have a problem? They're indeed going through an issue. Um, how you can recognize it is people leaving, so a high turnover of staff. And this can happen anyway in a, in a startup, but if people are really aligned to the purpose of what you're trying to do, the turnover is lower. Um, so if you see a high turnover of staff and, and also if you're not able to, how can I put it, explain your story to the customer. And what I see a lot is, especially tech uh, startups, it's all about the product, which of course it is. You know, you can't build a company without a product. You, you definitely cannot build a company without people. And if there's too much product focus and not, not enough people focus and culture focus, then you end up being unable to actually create a product which uh, fits for your customer. So your why is so important in terms of being able to sell your product, but also being able to engage people who want to work with you, engage your employees. So there's a big piece to do with, with any startup as to, and the way I normally do it with, with startups is looking at what the founders, you know, why are they doing this? What's important? And helping them build their story from there. And this as to why they're doing it helps unravel, you know, what, what's important about it what their values are and how you use that as like building blocks to start creating this uh, organizational culture so yeah it's it, it, it can take a while for a company to understand they've got a problem in terms of organizational culture especially when they're small and everyone's driving it but it really is around that point of if you're unable to engage and motivate and keep your employees, then you really need to look in the mirror and try and figure out actually what about the organizational culture is not working? What about what I intended for the company is not playing out in reality? So quite often everyone has great intentions, but actually it's the behaviors, it's the actions that actually matter. Hmm. 
that's that's actually really powerful thank you thank you for sharing that sarah i want to come back to your story and i think across this discussion across this conversation i've always come back to your personal story your personal um journey um and i think that kind of really connects the the real point that you're trying to address also through your coaching exercises uh, but for me i think the real story the real insights are in your in your own personal journey um you mentioned about your time at Rolls-Royce being a female engineer having these different perspectives uh you emphasized on some aspects around how you communicated how you uh led the led the work and your transition to sales over time um a question that popped up for me here is as you said you were bringing this different perspective in an environment which is obviously a little male dominated at that time um what helped you to be able to express uh yourself in your own manner so being that different person being the individual you are rather than just playing on the script of what is expected from you what helped you to be able to excel at that was it the environment was it the team was it your peers because there's i think there was something going on there at that time where you said like you got a lot of opportunities and you were able to really build up your career really well in that environment so i think part of it was networking and part of it was always having a mentor somebody i could turn to and be completely honest with so i had a few mentors during my time uh, at rolls royce and i was never scared to reach out to one of the seniors and just ask for a chat and you know i always had an intention of what i what i was looking for or how they could help me in some way although i don't think i ever i never did any what you might call career mapping i never knew when i was asked those questions like where do you want to see yourself in 5 years and i said well it depends on what opportunities arise and that was really kind of what helped me was building individual relationships with people um and people seeing how i communicated and that spoke for itself so my actions spoke for me in terms of what i stood for although i wasn't really clear for myself as to actually what that was at that time and it really is only in the last couple of years i can i can see clearly um you know what my values are or, you know what my strengths are i didn't really understand necessarily what that was and how that was working for me at the time but i did know that i was good at building relationships i was good at talking to people i wasn't scared to ask a question i wasn't scared to say that i didn't understand something because i'm sorry you know uh, an airplane engine because this is a hell of a lot of parts it's a very complex <laughs> process and i think there are very few people who could actually turn around so they understand everything about an engine so um i just took that as kind of almost permission to to ask questions and i wasn't scared to ask the wrong question if that makes sense i just thought well if i'm sat here not understanding it there's probably somebody else in this room who doesn't get it as well so i'm probably only putting voice to something somebody else wants to ask hmm no well, that is that is extremely powerful so being able to 
voice your questions and not judging yourself whether you're asking the wrong question and building a network um, investing in individual relationship and as you said you had a mentor you had mentors perhaps in your time uh, let's just build a little bit on this because there's a lot of value and insight in this whole whole process about getting mentors how was the process for yourself of acquiring a mentor or finding a mentor so when I started at Rolls-Royce, I was on their graduate scheme. So I did sort of three months placements uh, in different areas, including uh, internationally in Canada. And I was given a mentor who was in the skill set area, which I was employed into. So I was, I was taken in as a materials engineer. Um, I pretty quickly worked out that I didn't really want to go into materials uh, in Rolls-Royce. Uh, the facility they had in Derby was <laughs> put me off slightly. Um, and I wanted a new challenge. So immediately out of the graduate scheme, I went into looking at whole engines. So looking at them in service, working out you know, how they were working, uh, troubleshooting. And this again was a, is a jump. So I needed to find myself somebody who could help me in this new area that I've gone into. So I just reached out to a few people and said, you know, is there any chance you would be uh, interested or would have time to have a chat with me? And I didn't necessarily always call it mentoring, but I was asking questions to help support me understand a, the business, but also sort of understand the company, understand what opportunities there were. And a bit like when they moved me or my whole department moved out to Germany, which is when I moved here in 2006. They sat us down in a room and basically said, right, this department is being moved from Derby in England, where we're all now sat, to Berlin in Germany. And I thought, oh, that's a cool opportunity. That could be quite fun. 26, you know, unattached. Um, and I remember walking back into the office and everybody around me had their head in their hand going, I can't believe I'm losing my job. I said, no, you're not losing your job. They just <laughs> just said, we've all got the opportunity to go over to Germany. And I couldn't, you know, I was honestly astounded by by the faces in the, in the room. And obviously now as I grow through it, and I recognize when you've got kids and other things, it's, it's much more difficult. But for me, this was just like, this is an amazing opportunity. So when I moved to Germany, I, I ended up on an international kind of assignment for a couple of years. And again, I looked for somebody locally in Germany who could help me understand what Rolls-Royce Deutschland does and how does it work and how's it different and so always kind of almost like this inquisitive mind as to what am I missing to be able to do my job better so it was very only literally the first year and a half of my career did I ever have a formal mentor after that it was about reaching out to people who I saw and I, I felt a connection with I felt I could understand this person. This person has or acts in a way which I can associate with. And I think that's really important in terms of understanding what you want is finding people who you can relate to, who you can look up to. Um, not because you want to follow in their footsteps, but because they might be able to help you align your thinking um, and help you understand a bit more about yourself. Hmm. I think this this is really really interesting because I think what you are doing here is 
essentially it's a very organic process that you followed so the process of just following towards the curiosity the curious journey that you had figuring out the question that you said you know what what are you missing to do do your job better and who can help you with that who can be the right person who can provide you the value of the experience and also guide you through the process and i think it's very organic in a sense that you're not explicitly creating that environment that oh i need a mentor this is what i need from a mentor but rather just following on and essentially walking on the trail of your curiosity and figuring out if there is a mentor who can help you whether officially or unofficially and the question i have around this is a lot of people i speak to who do search for mentors or someone who who can really provide them the similar support that you had are either too reluctant to really go out and network or they don't really feel confident that someone out there can actually say yes to them mm-hmm. they definitely can't say yes to them if you don't ask the question yeah um that was always my perception was someone's always got the option to say no and occasionally people did say no you know i'm sorry i just don't have the time for taking on another mentee or you know to ask capacity for it um and so okay fine can we just have a one off chat you know and most people when you when you when you ask them about something they love or they're interested in will always find time for a quick chat for a quick coffee and a chat and it doesn't need to be more formal than that um because the mentor is a guide it's not somebody you know who's who acts as a crutch to help you stand up it's it's more somebody who who kind of is there to help you open your perspective to things you can't see yourself things you don't know yourself and just create opportunities and i've always had a very positive attitude and this definitely comes from uh, my father um who's the eternal optimist but i you know i always see good in people so even when somebody you know potentially upsets me i'm always i'm very empathetic i'm always looking for um what's going on with them you know what what's the reason they've just reacted in the way that they have and that i always find a way to connect with people on a deep level if i can't then that's a very clear intuitive sign for me that that's not somebody who you know who I will get value out of working with. Um so this is to me is very much an intuitive feeling or sense that I get as to you know how can I connect with you how do I open that person up how do I learn more about them because it's not just about the job and it never has been it's about the person I'm always interested in like you're doing what's that person's story what's interesting about them what what can what unlocks my understanding of them and their understanding of me because that's obviously our basic human need is uh to understand and to be understood mm that's actually quite interesting and i would love to explore this further on this like the meta question i have when you were sharing this experience was uh how do you recognize that this is the right mentor for yourself and you said you mentioned a few times this intuition 
about whether it's working or not, whether it's the right person or not. Could you throw more light on this? Like for someone who is in a position or looking out for a mentor, what would be the ways do you advise them to recognize if someone who they have approached is the right mentor for themselves? Yeah, that's a good one. How do you explain <laughs> your feelings? Part of it is trusting that intuition in you to say yes or no. And there's a portion of it, if your reaction is negative, to also challenge why it's negative. So I think it was a year before last, I was in a session with somebody and he made me feel exceedingly uncomfortable. Um, and so part of my instinct was to shy away and to kind of not engage with this person further. And actually what I did was send him an email straight after and said, I'd like to talk to you in the next week. And we connected and he said, right, yeah, why, did you, why did you request this? And I said, because you've made me feel exceedingly uncomfortable. And that tells me that there's something I need to learn here. And he looked, he looked confused, I must say. But it's, it's not just looking for somebody who makes you feel comfortable. It's looking for somebody who's either got challenging views that you are interested in, not challenging views as in, you know, you don't want to be in the same room as this person, but challenging you in an interesting and maybe even provocative way slightly. Um, but also you get the feeling that their intentions, their, the things that are important to them are somehow aligned to yours. They're never going to be completely aligned, but understanding a little about what drives them, what's important to them. And if you can understand that, then you can fairly clearly say, is this someone who can add or help me in some way, open my eyes to something I can't see right now? Or is this just a relationship that's just not going to not going to be worth the investment of time? Because any relationship is an investment of time on both parties. I'm not sure, I'm not sure I've explained that very well. <laughs> not sure I've answered your question but at the same time it is exceedingly difficult to put into words the emotions and the feelings that kind of are behind why we can connect with some people and why other people we we struggle to connect with. I think you did uh, what I take away from this is you don't necessarily look for someone who makes you comfortable and you said, oh yeah, this person is great. Let's have the, let's, let's sign that person up as a mentor, but rather um, they may have a challenging view about something or they can provoke you, but in a way where they're not demeaning you. And you said about aligned intentions, which means either they do it out of, helping you or opening your eyes to something different but not in a in a way where i would say you feel bad about yourself that you feel threatened or disrespected you feel threatened that's true and i think there is obviously very interesting uh difference from having an experience like this versus with someone who said oh this guy is this guy is not right so as I said, it's not it's 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 their nuances to this. It's not a black and white, and you need to be mindful about it. Um, and I think this also 
you know we can actually go a little bit deeper into this uh, as well is you know how to figure out um someone who is pushing you challenging you but yet you feel that they are have the best interest uh of yourself of yours in their intention i've actually got a, a great example for you here because um this is something that that happened to me just with what you're saying just brought it back was when i was as i said i was going through miscarriages multiple miscarriages so i was very emotional in the background i hid it from people at work as much as i could my boss knew what was going on but i felt very uh, ashamed but also very vulnerable because i felt like it would impact my career and obviously like i said i was trying to change into a, a different role and i remember having various discussions and feeling quite uh, emotional about the whole idea of changing roles but also not really knowing what i wanted to change into so i didn't know i wanted to go into sales i was looking for something that was just challenging but at the same time would interest me and i had a chat with one of our bosses um i remember we were just sat at a, a huge conference room the two of us um and he started getting oh, the only way i could say he started getting aggressive with me in terms of saying so you know why do you want to change and you know don't you feel like you ought to um stick with engineering that's what you've been doing and investing and you know swapping around and changing jobs all the time is not good for your cv and basically getting quite judgmental i would guess in terms of why i was suddenly requesting to maybe look at a move into his area and i very rarely cried at work but he made me cry and at that point he looked shocked and he was like oh my goodness i'm sorry i've done it again and i was just like baffled because my expectation is when you cry at work that um you know it's just it's the worst thing that i felt like i could do was to show my emotion at work and but he just pushed me at a point when i was you know feeling very vulnerable and i felt really judged and was like you're saying always felt disrespected and he turned around at that point and said you know i'm so sorry you know, i always want to push people i want to challenge people to a point where they are doing the best for themselves but i didn't mean to you know i didn't mean to push you to the point of um of tears and i certainly did not mean to upset you and it was interesting because this guy ended up was one of my go-tos you know one of my sounding boards over the years thereafter because we'd had this moment together and you know at the point i'm actually sat there crying thinking i'm actually mortified by that i'm crying in front of this guy that most people you know struggle with him and i was it just opened up a whole new level of our relationship and no i don't advocate going and getting emotional but because that's not my go to i'm usually a positive person I'm usually very optimistic it created it triggered such a reaction in him to see me uh, getting upset that actually it created a bond between us that he recognized he'd gone too far he apologized and also we kind of started co-mentoring so it was great um yeah sometimes things appear when you least expect it this is actually a really good example um i resonate this resonate with this a lot i think in my uh some some years back i think even my previous places where i was working i had kind of similar experience where um 
I was the person that you were talking about in a similar setup. You know, I was mentoring someone and I pushed them. And I realized that I pushed them really hard. <laughs> and uh, I was mindful that I'm doing it out of good intention, but I did not express it in that way where the other person felt that um, I was having the right intention. And I kind of this created this uncomfortable situation. And the good thing was this person came back to me and said that, you know what, I felt uncomfortable with that conversation uh, and we spoke about it and I obviously realized uh, where I was wrong in my execution and this really created also a bond between both of us at that time and that said okay and it still still is and I'm happy that in some sense I had this uncomfortable situation and conversation but there was something positive that came out of it yeah, I think there's always an opportunity. Um, even of those those interactions where you leave it thinking, oh my goodness, you know, what what has just happened? I would always challenge people to go away and look for the gift or the opportunity that's arisen. Because we are very much dominated by our ape brain, the kind of fight or flight mode. And so there is a lot of kind of negative perception that if we allow it to drive, it will sit in the driver's seat quite happily and take us on a journey. And we do need to train this positive part of our brain to say, okay, you know, maybe that didn't go as I wanted it to, but how do I refocus and and look at where I still want to go? What's changed? What's the opportunity? You know, what's the, the sun coming out of the cloud, the rainbow, behind potentially what's just happened? Um, because, and I... I I'm saying that because a lot of a lot of these kind of interactions where we feel conflict is because we don't understand the intention or we're not clear on our intentions, like you say. And yet by by getting clearer on our intentions and actually communicating them to the other person or the other people around us, especially in a business context, can really help people understand you, understand what's going on. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why, like, you know, I've called my business Unique You because I think it's so important that people stand up and are proud of themselves as they are. They're proud of the values, they're proud of their strengths, they're proud of their life story. And don't try and kind of compartmentalize it and hide it away somewhere. But actually let it be a part of them. But in order to do that, we need to be able to have conversations around things like you're just saying that are difficult what I would call courageous conversations, where we don't just talk facts and figures and data. And this is one of the biggest reasons why I love to help tech companies still. A, become passionate about technology and just get excited by it. But B, because I think there's a real flaw in our education, if you want to call it that, which means we're, we're trained to have technical discussions around facts and figures. We're not trained to dig that level deeper and say, you know, I can sense you're getting emotional about this. What's there? You know, what's that telling us? Because we're emotional beings. We can't take the emotion out of a discussion. And actually, if people are getting emotional, it means they care. So you want an employee that cares. So by by ignoring emotion and not being able to voice it, not being able to step into these discussions courageously, we're actually only limiting ourselves and 
you know, our team's ability to re-innovate, to be creative. So it is about allowing these kind of discussions and that person who came to see it is, is courageous to say, you know, actually that didn't feel right for me. That didn't, you know, that didn't resonate with how I want to work. But allowing open and non-judgmental discussions to kind of open up those layers of the onion and look as to what's really there. What are we dealing with? Yeah, I think this is really powerful. I think it comes down to the point that are you in that conversation, in that engagement, are you mindful of how and in what you're presenting to the other person? Uh, and I think for me personally, it this resonates really well. Now, when I talk to someone, I and I know if I'm pushing someone, I'm I'm very explicit and saying that you know what, my intention with what I'm going to do next is put you uh, put you through a contrasting opinion, an opinion or thought that might be different from you, and I want you to reflect on it and not just react. And I create that space for other people to know my intention up front and this front loading this intention before i say the message sometimes has saved me a lot <laughs> uh, from difficult conversations where perhaps the other person would have interpreted uh, the information coming from me in a completely different way yeah that's so true we you what you do is like you like you did with me at the start of this you 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 allow your design the framework for the discussion and by telling somebody your intention you are you're you're explaining to them what you want to achieve so you help them understand where you're coming from what position are you coming from and I do this with with all of my my clients is is you're designing the alliance you're designing the space to allow that person to get the most out of the conversation and to allow yourself in some ways to get the most out of the conversation. But with coaching and leadership and coaching are so close in what they're trying to achieve is creating a non-judgmental space for somebody to reflect, to grow, to challenge themselves, to step into what they want to achieve. So that's what it's, it's so important about what you're saying there is by setting the intention, you potentially can ask a more difficult question because the other person already recognizes, okay, they're doing this with the intention of, of challenging me to grow, or they're doing this with the intention of opening up a new perception for me, new opportunities. And people take things very differently when they understand that as, as an intention. Hmm. Thank you. This is really, really good. I want to come back to your life journey again. Uh, I think all all roads connect to that. Uh, I want to touch upon the part around you moving to setting up your own coaching practice. Um, tell me a little bit about what led to you being starting this exercise of you know as a coach and this starting this this setup called unique you what was what was the what are the uh, the ideas that you had that coaching is the place for yourself and how was that process for yourself yeah so i left Rolls royce not knowing what i was going to do um i 
knew I wanted to do something different. Um, I knew I had a very transferable skill set because of all the different roles I'd had within the company. But being a generalist as well was something I wasn't sure was an advantage when I was looking for a new job in a country where I speak the language, but you know, I would struggle to read a contract in German, for example. So there were limitations as to the types of role that I could potentially, or I felt like I could take um, in Germany. And um, I'd always had this idea that I'd quite like to try coaching. I usually got told as feedback that, you know, you, you need to lean more into coaching or leading by coaching and empowering others and helping the organization to grow through kind of um, helping other leaders understand how to do this. So I was kind of in this space, but I hadn't ever done a formal coaching qualification. I was just, I just led by the way that I believed to be empowering other people. Um, so I decided that I would do my coaching qualification. I went off down that route, knowing that as a minimum, I would use it in a job somewhere else. Um, but there was always this potential that I could potentially start something else on my own. But I was very unsure. And whilst doing my coaching qualification, um, the opportunity came up to work for Climate Kick at their Berlin um, Accelerator program, their startup program, as their tech coach. Um, and I thought, oh, that sounds fun. You know, technology and sustainability. Uh, and yeah, coaching. So applied to do that and was offered the job. But at the same time, I was told, well, if you want to do this, you actually, we need to be able to pay you. So you need to start your own company. I was like, oh, that's an interesting point. Yes, I guess I do. So um, when I founded my company, it was just from a point of, well, I have to have a vehicle to be able to uh, be paid by Climate Kick. Um, and it was a point of, okay, so if I was going to do this, what would I want to do? And obviously being on the coaching journey itself, um, so learning to be a coach and going through a coaching qualification takes you on your own journey. Um, and so this was a lot of sort of the developing that I was doing at that time. And it really evolved from there, from recognizing the values, the very strong values which I had for sustainability technology and coaching people to kind of be the best form of themselves. And it's a matter of, or it has been a matter of the last two years of really feeling my way through. You know, what feels right? What would I want to do? What's more, you know, how could I have more fun than what I'm doing? And I get to meet inspiring people who want to make the world a better place, who I can help create more impact through coaching. Um, and it's really about sort of, you know, letting or seeing people when they have those aha moments and thinking, you know, something's just fundamentally changed in their perception of what they can do right now. Um, and then seeing how that sort of unravels and how you can support them to really challenge themselves to grow. And it's funny because when I was in industry, I quite often shied away from necessarily voicing my instinct or saying exactly what I thought because I was scared of conflict. And yet as a coach, 
I have to step into that because that's where you can help people by having a challenging conversation, opening up something to them they cannot see for themselves. And it it really is those moments that when I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know, what are they going to think when I say this? That quite often creates the impact that someone says, no one's no one's ever said that to me before. I've never realised that before. I've never seen that. And you know, those moments where something really fundamentally changes. So it enabled me to step into having courageous conversations with my clients, knowing that actually by creating a safe space, a non-judgmental space, where they can look in the mirror and see themselves for who they are and see where they're actually not showing up for themselves or not aligning to their values or not using their strengths, that you know we can really create change. Right. This is something I wanted to ask you um, right at the beginning of our conversation. But as a coach, obviously, you shared a lot of these intentions that you have uh, for the people that you work with around sustainability, growing them, making sure that they are able to bring their authentic self on a day-to-day basis. I am curious what goes behind the scene like what are the challenges that you face as a coach when you have to get into these situations on a on a day-to-day basis and if you may if you could share a little bit about how do you prepare yourself to kind of go through those challenges as a coach (laughs) good question um I have to be very conscious as to how many sessions I can run in a day because when you're coaching someone, you are present, fully present with that person because you're looking for signs of what they're going through and voicing things which you're you're sensing from them. Um, so there's a, there's a part that I really have to look after myself. I can't serve my clients unless I am in a good place unless I'm rested, unless I am, you know, in a way or in a place where I can support them. And it's exceedingly difficult as a as a coach, but also as a somebody who is uh, very empathetic, I guess, with other people, um, to really kind of almost honour them. So actually me sympathising with somebody, although I might be able to do it and, you know, part of me will potentially want to do it, it's not the place where I'm holding them accountable and responsible for themselves. I can empathise with them um, and I can still challenge them at the same time. So that balance can sometimes be really difficult, but it's a matter of standing there and every time asking what's going to serve my client best at this point. Because over time, obviously, I get to understand my clients. I get to see them. I get to sort of live in their shoes with them a little. And it's about how can I support them to grow the most? And where that is in terms of kind of the business is you sometimes feel like, you know, well, why am I different to any of the other coaches that are potentially out there? Um, you know, there are a lot of people. If you go search coach on the internet, you can find a lot of people. And actually... What I've recognized is I'm different because 
hey, I have a lot of industrial experience. I have leadership experience and I'm talking about leadership a lot of my day, helping people uh, in these scenarios. But also it's about how I connect with people is that, you know, I'm, I'm interested in people and I can connect with people, which allows them to trust me quite quickly. And that is really key in being able to build a trusting relationship with somebody where they can open up and feel like they're not being judged. As soon as someone feels like they're being judged, you're in a space where you're not going to be able to help them. And actually, as a coach, as soon as you feel like you're in that space, you need to call it because you cannot serve somebody as a coach from that position. You have to be able to hold them in a space where they can understand for themselves what the meaning of it, how they can you know, use that interpretation and how they can grow. And a lot of it is, is you know, coaching. And there's a big portion of helping people understand, okay, so how do I communicate about this to myself and to other people? And giving people kind of the tools to be able to have courageous conversations with other people, speak their mind in a way which opens up a conversation and leaves others not feeling judged. So there's all these different aspects, I guess, come into uh, the equation in terms of what I now do. Um, Has it been an easy journey? No, it hasn't. And I'm exceedingly grateful I've managed to create what I have in the last two years, especially with COVID coming and all of a sudden me spending, going from spending two days a week in Berlin dealing with clients to five days a week in front of a laptop. Um, But that's also given me amazing opportunities to deal with more people internationally. So like I said earlier, if you can see the opportunities that these things bring and not be scared to just try, even if you fail, then these are how you build a business. And it is about organic growth. It's not about creating success overnight. And actually, it's not money that drives me. It's about being able to help people who want to create a positive impact, create more impact. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. I think it's it's amazing to have this conversation with you. I would have loved to go (laughs) spend more time on this because there's so many different directions that we can run from here to with our conversations but i'm also respectful and mindful of your time um my last question for you um as we end this conversation for now is for individuals for leaders for people who are out there who are going through their day-to-day experiences with their own challenges in their organizations and their teams what has been your experience for for these individuals to recognize they need someone like you as a coach um i know sometimes of being as a myself as a leader i often think about how can i be a better leader to the people i work with can I be a coach? Can I help them be successful? Where can I push them? Where can I make sure that they are accountable for things? But often there are situations where I feel that I'm not enough. Like I need support. I need external help. Uh, it would be good to know from you what would be those indicators where such a leader can recognize that they need 
an outside support they need someone like you to come in and support them in their journey so i think there are a couple of things one is if you can see that your people are demotivated that they're not engaging they're not sparking you know getting excited about work um and if you don't know as a leader how to help your team back out of that then a coach is a good way to do it because as i always say that you know, taking a team from surviving to thriving starts with you as the leader because if you've got the wrong team then you've probably hired the wrong people and obviously there are a number of things around that which can help you still create the team that you want and there'll be some difficult decisions to make so it's around being able to create an environment for your team to thrive it's around being able to know what your team needs to be able to thrive what skills are you missing what you know what competencies do you need to build on how can you help your team play more to their strengths so they have more fun if work shouldn't be about it being hard work all the time i think it's a misconception that that comes from work like 20 years ago or something which unfortunately is still present but you know how do you how do you ensure that your team or you're able to serve your team in a way that like you say helps them grow and develop and if you're not sure how to do that and you can't find support internally to help you do that then engaging with a coach is a space where you can be challenged yourself and also for your team so with the intention of going into something like this you can you can do team coaching you can do leadership coaching um all of these possibilities exist and it really depends on you know what's there for you what do you see and also what does your team need from you um to be able to build that trust to be able to work together to be able to communicate um because all of that is essential to being able to create the space for a team to thrive that is actually really good end to this conversation so creating a space for your team to thrive so moving from surviving to thriving i will keep this as a catch line for our conversation today uh i i enjoyed this conversation really so much and thank you so much sara i hope it was it was also good for you to get into this uh podcast and also share your thoughts and share your story with with the listeners of this podcast yes as i said to you before i mean for me it's always a position of if sharing a story and you know the questions you've asked are different to what other people have asked me and if sharing this story helps one person either make a positive change in their lives or you know have a new perception of something or see something they didn't see about themselves before then we've done our job so i think that's the most important bit for me so true uh, thank you so much thank, for allowing me to come on thank you uh, i can't thank you enough and i appreciate the time and i am really eager that you know when our paths cross again which i'm hoping very soon we get you on the show back and we can talk about other interesting aspects of of your experience and of your of your journey yes i mean i'd love to hear feedback so if any of the listeners want to provide feedback uh, if they've got questions they want to post to me please do and i'll do my best to answer them and also we can share them so that other people can see what's being asked 
Yeah. And what is the best way for people to reach out to you, Sarah? So um, either on uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn's got all of my details or on my website, which is www.unique-u.de. Fantastic. I will leave these uh, details on the show notes. Great. Thanks, Vivek. Thank you, Sarah, and have a great rest of your day and also your week. Thank you, too. Take care. Bye. Please subscribe to the podcast In Your Shoes on the podcast channel, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and others. To know more, please visit www.inyourshoes.com. That is I-N-U-R-shoes.com.